everyone. Today we're reading Mark chapter 12 again in the season of Ordinary Time, looking at themes of discipleship. This week, Jesus witnesses some extravagant giving, but you might be surprised by which gift is truly the best. I'm Alicia McClintock. And I'm Ben Kramer. And this is the A Plain Account Podcast. Well, this episode, we are looking at Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. I'll be reading from the NIV this episode. Listen to these words from Mark's gospel. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, so last week we talked about a teacher of the law. Mm-hmm. And Jesus seemed to have a really good interaction with that individual. He doesn't seem to have such a positive feel about the teachers of the law this week. Right, exactly. And like you had reminded us last week, um, they're not a monolith. Like they they are all individuals. They are not all exactly the same or lumped together into one core group. Jesus seems to be critiquing some very particular teachers of the law or um, powerful, uh, honored, well-known religious elites, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Like, like you just pointed out, Jesus doesn't say watch out for all the teachers of the law. Mm-hmm. It seems to be, he just says, watch out for the teachers of the law. Um, so maybe talking about those specific ones in that context, perhaps uh, a, a societal brokenness that teachers of the law are tempted by or prone to participate with. This is something greater than uh, individual morality of just these specific individuals. Totally, totally. Okay, this might be a little bit snarky, <laughs> um, but 
modern day 21st century Jesus might say, watch out for those trendy preachers and sneakers who <laughs> like to parade. They're like super fancy. <laughs> They're a super fancy clothes, like the super trendy, cool celebrities that they get to hang out with, the clubs that they get to get into, the, the box seats at the sports games that get gifted to them. Beware of those folks. Who the books that them- are ghost written for them. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. We just got really snarky. (laughs) Um, But, but the, but the point is that, um, that no matter which century, first century or 21st century, there, there are these kind of elements of a showy faith that seems more concerned with power, position, prestige, the glitz and the glamour of the of the honor and uh, the celebrity, if right. you will. Um, and you know what? We cannot tell someone's heart from looking at these like outward trappings. So we're going to be careful about that. (laughs) Um, But, but Jesus does seem to be pointing to a reality that, that there is this kind of predisposition or this bent toward the, the wealth prestige and celebrity that comes along Mm -hmm. with teachers of the law. And I do think like, pastors that's a word for you that's a word for us man that that's that's a word i agree i and well (laughs) along with that i i do have to add a little caveat i think which i i grew up in a tradition that would just harp on women being silent in the churches like those few verses that would marginalize women in worship settings and here jesus exclusively says these men will be punished most severely. And yet we have not isolated this text as the one text that we harp on men in leadership who fall into these predatory, showy kinds of religion in our churches and dehumanize them in the same way we've used those other texts. Those texts are available. If we wanted to do that, rip this out of context and dehumanize men in positions of ministry, we could do that, but there is something to be said as to why we don't. Um, and so I, it's just, yeah. I think it's just really, really important yeah. to point that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. There is something to be said about that. It's called the patriarchy. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. It it's gross. Yeah. Um, well, that maybe is like a, a helpful segue to talk about some of the, um, twisted, crooked, corrupt systems that are put on blast here, right? Um, because it, it does seem that ultimately that's what Jesus is pointing to. I, I don't think Jesus is speaking like individual critiques right. in this passage. Right. I It does seem more about the systems to which these particular teachers of the law belong and the kind of bent that that pushes them into these, um, into these systems that are predatory, man, what vivid language they devour widows' houses. Like that's just (laughs) like, so that's so heavy. And it does seem that Jesus, Jesus is critiquing the kinds of systems in which, uh, that feeds on itself, right? 
that like craving for power and position and celebrity and honor and positions of power and like the all the fancy clothes and like all of these trappings of success kind of leads them into this like snowball kind of system that like devours widows houses and preys on the vulnerable like in the service and feeding of this like like all the trappings of success right Yeah. And that feels like the common theme throughout the gospel that like with the money changers and the the way that he talks about taxing for sacrifices in that same uh, temple cleansing, this, the second temple Judaism has become this economic monolith that really does prey on the vulnerable and the marginalized that overtaxes for religion, you know, you can't, as a Protestant, you can't help but think of like indulgences that they're, they mm-hmm. are profiting and becoming rich for these incredibly elaborate places of worship on the backs of those that Jesus has called them to be in service of, right? right. <clears throat> and so this seems to be a common theme all throughout the gospels that We can't get away from this reality that Jesus didn't come just for a spiritual renewal or salvation, right? Jesus came to bring real change Mm -hmm. to the, the, the practices of oppression in the world. Just like his first public sermon says, Mm -hmm. come to bring actual real good news to the poor, to bring sight to the blind, to set the captives free and to bring liberation for the oppressed, declaring the year of our Lord's favor, right? That's like, that is his mission. And he is embodying that by calling out these systems of oppression. Right. And, and perhaps this is maybe uh, something to note that those who are caught up in this, like, like power hungry quest for position and influence and celebrity and whatever are just as much slaves to the system as those are being like crushed by it in a different way with different impact for sure. Um, But when Jesus says I've come, come for this liberation, he means, he means them all. He like, and an inauguration of an entirely new way where things are turned upside down and there is a, a bountiful table set with an abundant feast where all of them are then invited to sit. Um, but, but there is this reversal of fortunes in, in that kind of space. And, and for some that is, that is humbling and fills them with remorse and contrition and, and, and a very appropriate mourning and grief, right. Um, at, at the, at, at the impact of their choices when they were caught up in these systems of oppression. And for others, it is a space of, of rejoicing and celebration and freedom to finally breathe. Right. Um, But, but I guess, I guess what we're trying to say is that Jesus's liberty and liberation is for all of them. And Mm -hmm. there are, there are different kinds of, of entrapment being represented here um, by both these like kind of wealthy elites um, who are, who are stuck in this like never ending, like never going to be satisfied pursuit of power and influence, as well as the, the widow who, who is like stuck in the system, ultimately giving all that she has to live on. 
right? right? As she's seeking to do her best to be faithful. And that's the only thing she can do is to be like, to, to give like her, her last things away. Right. Right. And I think that is such an important thing to keep in mind because you, you pointed that out and it felt like you were describing Zacchaeus, like mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. marginalized and pushed to the side because of his participation with the unjust corrupt system and culturally and socially was isolated. Um, and Jesus brought salvation, like liberation for him as well from that. Exactly. Right. And so like, let's call back maybe to our, our rich young man who comes to Jesus seeking eternal life. Like I lack something, Lord, I know that there's something missing in my life and I am desperate for you to tell me what I need to do. And Jesus's answer is get rid of all your stuff. Like, (laughs) like like get out, get out, get out of that, like, like exit that system. And that is the freedom and the wholeness and the peace and the life that you're looking for, right? So um, powerful. Right. Okay. Okay. So I want us to hold that in mind, but then also I think there's something really different that's going on with this woman who right. is who is poor, like in absolute poverty, and then gives everything that she has to the temple. I just feel like there's such a different tone, such a different character and quality about yeah. this kind of total giving everything away. I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems like sometimes Jesus, the great physician, the true liberator offers a prescription to give everything away. And I think sometimes Jesus does not. Does that make sense? And I'm, I'm struggling with how to articulate that in a, in a clear way where that's like rooted in the text where I'm not a heretic. Right. (laughs) But, but I, but I don't know about you. Like I have heard this sermon preached, um, in, in favor of sacrificial giving that like in order for it to be true generosity, it has to cost you something that Mm -hmm. it must be some sort of sacrifice. Right. Mm -hmm. And that this woman is held, held up as the example of, of a truly generous giver, like the the one who puts, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm I'm putting her hand up right now and grasping the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, like you could, you could, I, you could tell I'm channeling some very particular voices, like from, from my real life where like, like a a preaching about generous giving that's been rooted in, in this text as like a prescription for all people who give, um, must give in a way that hurts, that's deeply like sacrificial and all consuming. And that like, like, this is the picture of truly giving to God (laughs) is like, and emptying of yourself into utter and complete destitute poverty. And I just don't think that's necessarily true. And I guess what I'm trying to do is to hold in tension these places where Jesus says to somebody like that rich young man, this is your spiritual responsibility. Your act of worship is to give it all away and come Mm -hmm. follow me. But I don't think Jesus prescribes the same thing to this widow. I think he describes what she does and says that her gift actually is valued much higher than, than the, than the rich people who gave large sums out of their abundance. But I don't think Jesus is, is like prescribing. This is how it always should be, or this, 
right? Does that make sense? I think there's a difference between a description and like a prescriptive call to action. And I do not think that this particular instance of the poor widow is a prescriptive call to mimic her. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think the that you're right in line with where I read the Greek of this passage, mm. that we, I think we get misguided when we read it as the NIV translates it here, all she had to live on. So it keeps our imaginations in monetary terms. Like mm-hmm. it's just monetary. It's we're talking about money here or possessions. And so of course, naturally we'd lead down the road of what Jesus had said about other monetary gifts or possessions where Jesus, the Greek here says her whole life. So it's, it's not monetary resources. It's, it's her entire being, which in mm-hmm. relation to last week, we were talking about what it looks like to love with our whole self, our whole being. Right. Um, and so I think Jesus, just like you just brilliantly described, Jesus is pointing something different here rather mm-hmm. than just monetary uh, physical possessions, but while also give acknowledging that there is a connection to resources that sustains life to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't obliterate the monetary possessions completely, but the Greek is very specific in it's her whole life, her whole being is being given here. It's not just monetary or um, physical possessions. Right. I love that. And so maybe like in light of that, I would maybe retell this scene and and maybe draw a a focused contrast between two moments of showmanship, if you Mm -hmm. might put it that way. Right. Uh, Like we have the showiness of extravagant giving, the showiness of super long, elaborate prayers, the showiness of a very particular fancy sort of wardrobe. We have that kind of showiness from the teachers of the law, but we have a very different kind of public showiness if you might call it that from this widow Mm. who steps into a public place And as her act of worship is throwing her whole life on the generosity and faithfulness of God in the only way that she knows how, which is at the temple. Right. Right. Um, And, and part of me wonders, this is my sacred imagination. It's not what the text says directly. We don't have any stage directions here, like notes (laughs) in the margin about how this is supposed to go. But this is, this is my imagination of the text, right? That this woman walks boldly, into the temple to do the only thing she knows how to do in terms of being faithfully devoted to God, in terms of offering her whole self to God. And she offers her very last two cents when everyone, I mean, Jesus knows, and it also seems maybe like everyone else in her community at the temple knows that she is a poor widow and she cannot afford to be giving this, but she comes to the temple in in the midst of public worship, right? She's not doing this privately or in secret. And so I think it, that's maybe one of the ways where I point to this kind of showmanship in a sense, right? She, she goes forth in order to be seen, giving her last sense, like everything she had to live on her whole life, trusting that even though the system is corrupt, that her 
God will care for her, that her God will provide for her, that the, that the Lord who cares for orphans and widows, the Lord who feeds the hungry, the Lord who provided manna in the wilderness, who provided, um, never ending flour and oil for the widow who met Elijah, the Lord who provides will provide for her. Mm. And it's almost like, I, like, I sort of, a an imagine, I'm imagining this as a, as a kind of like, God, I dare you to follow through on your promise. Oh, yeah. Like, like here I am. This is, this is everything I have. I dare you to follow through and, and that the community sort of witnesses that together. I, I don't know how that lands with you or if that's like totally way out there, but like, that's kind of how the text is coming to me. No, I think that goes right into where I was leaning as well. Cause I can't help but ask the question if, if let's say we're looking at this as showiness, right? Which one looks more like Jesus mm, the right. widow or the, or the showy rich giving with the lengthy prayers? Cause, cause I mean, there, there, there is a very particular showiness or I, I would say like publicness mm. about about Jesus on the cross, right? Um, and and John says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, with which is another kind of right. like public show. Mm-hmm. There is this kind of like public representation, this kind right. of like spiritual drama that's happening, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? right? Um, and and I'm like I'm I'm imagining what it, what is the crowd at the temple thinking as they witness this happening, right? right. Like. Like, I certainly hope that the spirit of God is convicting them of their responsibility to care for the poor and hungry amongst them. Like, I part of me wonders if this is a way that the widow announces, I am hungry and poor and I need the community to step up, right? right. As, as she is moving forward in the only faithful way she knows how, which is to like continue to give alms at the temple, mm-hmm. um, that it's that it's almost in its own way a cry for God's help and for the community's help. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think those elements are definitely there. Uh, it, it's it seems like such a contrast to me that they are participating in this very broken system, giving massive amounts of wealth to it, and yet what people can't stop talking about in Mark is the gospel that Jesus is preaching, which is mm-hmm. this liberation from those systems and it's actually questioning the status quo it's questioning these these systems of oppression and i think there's a really good precedent here to compare what the widow is embodying to what jesus does for the whole world mm-hmm. um he he is caught up in a broken unjust system executed unjustly innocent by this broken system in the world, ruled by the rich and powerful elites, and gives his whole life mm-hmm. to the redemption, the liberation of all those who are captivated by that system of oppression, both the oppressors and the oppressed, right? Mm-hmm. And this widow is embodying that herself. Like she can't by herself stop the temple system from devouring her out of home, out of well-being, out of dignity, all of those things. And so she almost out of an act of resistance saying Mm -hmm. this system is coming down by the name of the Lord who is on my side, part of the downtrodden, right? Puts those two 
things that are worth nothing, gives her a whole life to that, knowing that this system will be brought brought down. And you hear that in in Matthew 5, Mm -hmm. where Jesus says, if someone forces you to go one mile, an unjust law by the Persians and the Romans, go with them too. If someone sues you, for your shirt, give them your jacket too. Someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. This this whole ethic of mm-hmm. going the extra mile, laying down your personal liberties, your 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 whole life actually makes you more free. Uh, because yeah. right. And and that like taking the those crooked systems, those unjust laws to their logical conclusion, um, uh, uh, like a, or just like extending them extra, right? The extra mile, the the other cheek, et cetera, et cetera, points out the violence that's inherent in the system. Not to quote Monty Python, but but that that it's a it's its own kind of showiness, right? right. Um in in that kind of submission to this system, the laying down of your rights, it points out how absurd they actually are. Right. Right. And, and it's a, it's a, like, it's a revelation of its own kind of twistedness Um, and, and is in itself just like a demonstrative cry for justice and a call for help for something different. And, and maybe that's, that's the point where I would, I would draw a contrast between um, the teachers of the law showing off with fancy prayers and flowing mm-hmm. robes and all of that sort of stuff. They're seeking admiration, power, influence, prestige, right? right? And I think this woman in her own kind of public demonstration is seeking justice yeah. and is crying for help in her own kind of way. Right. And I just feel like those are two very different attitudes, right? Absolutely. And I, I love that you brought up the serpent in the wilderness because I feel like yeah. that same thing is happening there where this is what's killing you. Are you yes. going to acknowledge what is destroying you, which is what God calls for in the repentance of that, right? But if you don't acknowledge what's destroying you and other people, you will never heal. You will never fix what's going on. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, and maybe here Moses is another helpful example. Like you can't, you can't truly leave Egypt if you're still wondering about like, oh, remember when at least then we had like square meals a day, right? (laughs) Right. It's it's an acknowledgement of the thing that is killing you, the thing that is holding you captive, and to look at it with clear eyes and to put it to rest. Mm -hmm. Um to to kill it, if you will, to eliminate right. it um, and to allow Jesus to inaugurate the new reality, the new reign, right? That's, yeah, that's so true because they are in laying down these great masses of wealth. They are acknowledging by that act that this is what sustains life. This is what brings about salvation for us. Where in the widow giving what little she had out of her poverty says, this is what's killing us. This is what's killing me. This is what's killing all of us um, in her, in her context. Right. And, and that is so much, that is so much more than the other kind of extravagant gifts that are a large sum, because those folks who are giving large sums have probably come by them 
by participating in these in these right. unjust systems and there is no way for them to give enough that is that is like that is worthy or worthwhile right, right. their prescription is to give it all the way to the poor and yeah. come come follow Jesus right um and and I I'm I'm still not entirely sure what to do about that, but I'm I'm really enjoying the ways that that it feels like so much of our scriptural references are kind of tying together here. Yeah, I think I think what you're illuminating, at least for me personally, is that the radical call of giving away all of your possessions that Jesus puts upon the rich mm-hmm. is just as difficult, at least. like just as radical, I should say, as this call of giving your whole life for the redemption of what's, what's broken in the world. Like that is just Mm -hmm. unfathomable. It's, it's radical. Yeah. Well, okay. We've been consistently saying like, this is ordinary time. We're talking about discipleship, themes of discipleship. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is a helpful time to remember that you can only give it all away once. (laughs) Right. Like, like this is the, the giving of your whole life, right. In Jesus's sacrifice in, um, in the, the giving away of all of your possessions and coming to follow Jesus. And in most of these instances of this kind of deep sacrificial call, it's the sort of thing that can only happen once. Um, and, and maybe that's a helpful pastoral note here when we think about preaching to a community, I think it's, um, uh, Scott Daniels, um, one of our, uh, great thinkers and teachers here in the church of the Nazarene, who says that you, you can, um, you can only shear your sheep a few times a year, like, like there, there are some appropriate times to shear those sheep and it's uncomfortable and needs to be done. And you can only do that a few times a year. Uh, you can only slaughter a sheep once, like (laughs) you can, you can only, you can only slaughter them. You can only kill them. You can only slay them one time. Like there's only one life. Like you can only do that once. We have to feed them every day. (laughs) So, so when we come to some of these really difficult passages or these difficult teachings about Jesus and the cost of disciples, I I think that maybe that could be a helpful framework that when we talk about this like radical, complete burnt offering kind of sacrifice, that's like that's a once and done sort of thing, right? Right. When when we when we really talk about giving it all your whole life, or to call back to last week's passage, your your heart and soul and mind and strength, your whole being, as well as all of your possessions, like all of you, (laughs) like like they're that's it's such an all-consuming request that it can only happen once. And once it's done and you move through toward resurrection life on the other other side, it's a new reality. It's a new, it's a new system, right? It's a there's there you're you're not like holding anything back and you don't accumulate the same, the same kind of things in the same kind of way. Right. Like because you're operating in a whole different reality. Does that make sense? Does that Okay, that doesn't sound totally out there. <laughs> no, I think that's spot on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back after this quick break. Uh, please stick around uh, for our thoughts on preaching and applying this text. Today, I want to offer a prayer for justice. 
written by Rebecca Sutton, found on reworship.blogspot.com. Pray for those who are hungry. Pray harder for those who will not feed them. Pray for those who struggle each week to pay their bills. Pray harder for the wealthy who do not care. Pray for those who are homeless. Pray harder for those who deny them shelter. Pray for the sick and the lonely. Pray harder for those who will not give them comfort. Pray for those who cry out for dignity. Pray harder for those who will not listen. Pray for those oppressed by unjust wages and pray harder for those who exploit them. Pray for those who bear the yoke of prejudice. Pray harder for those who discriminate against them. Pray for those whose basic needs are denied. Pray harder for public officials who cater to the greedy and ignore those bound unjustly. Amen. Amen. Such a powerful prayer, especially for this text. Well, now that we're back, let's talk about how we would apply this text. Are there any sermon ideas or talking points that uh, you would highlight for us? Yeah. Again, I think I mentioned earlier in our conversation that I've most often heard this text preach in the context of generosity, tithing, of giving. Um, And I I think I would want to dig into like, what does it mean to give to God? What are the things that God actually asks us to give? Um, And how how does that how does that work? Um, And then to I think maybe make some interpretive moves to talk about the the call of the community one to, to give to God, to give to the house of the Lord, to give to the church. Um, but also to give to our community, to be, um, extravagantly generous with those who are hungry so that we, so that we don't witness these moments where the truly poor among us are forced to give the last thing that they have to God. right? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking a bit about that. Uh, I think maybe some of the questions I'm asking myself too, just a kind of reflection, is um, as a pastor, a preacher, a teacher of the law, so to speak. Like like that's really um, I mean that's a word for me. That's for all of us in these places of religious authority, where um, as a vocational minister my salary comes from the, like from the tithing of widows. Like that's, that's a a real serious um, responsibility to steward well. Right. Like, like when, I mean, when, when you break it down like that, I'm, I am employed by the church as a pastor and shepherd, as the uh, president of the local 501c3 like organization that we are right. Like that, like that's, that's my job. It's my vocation and my calling, but it's, it's my job. And so my paycheck comes from the tithing of faithful people. And there, there are several several widows in my congregation who are, who are giving faithfully (laughs) and, and, and that, that's, that demands, um, a certain humility and responsibility and carefulness on, on my part. Um, I, God forbid I ever become one of these, uh, uh, 
teachers of the law, religious leaders or whatever, seeking position and power and prestige or whatever, right. On, right. on the backs of others. Right. right. Um, not, not as a, as a, a note to self of shame, but, but just like a sobering reality of like, right. this is who I am. This is what I've committed to. Uh, this is, this is the way that God is providing for me and offering opportunities for my people to be faithfully generous and just trying to locate myself in that system with an air of humility and gratitude. Does that make sense? Yeah, that is so powerful, especially keeping in mind about our livelihood being supported by the, the, just the hospitable, generous gifts of widows like that. Yeah. That is that preaches to preachers, I think, in in history. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, like our our scriptures emphasize that that our teachers and preachers are are worth their wages. Like that that this is right. important, good work that that is worthy of compensation, right? Like that's very clear in our in our scriptures and in our understanding as well. Um, but it but it is a, a sobering responsibility, right? right? That and and it is. Uh, like a like a careful, thoughtful, generous, um, financial practice is a spiritual act of worship for right. for the right. for those of us who who um who are vocationally tied by our livelihood mm-hmm. to to this kind of system. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's so good. I think one of the talking points that would be compelling for me is uh, this thought of. Um, her giving these two copper coins that are worth worth less than you know a few cents as a as an act of resistance. There's an interpretive edge that I kind of like. Like <laughs> I'm not sure how biblical it is, but I like the the thought of her saying, "You want this so bad, take it," mm-hmm. because I will not be defined by this. My wealth will not have the last word over me as you are making it over you. And my God, God will supply all my needs. Exactly. Right? And God you- will have the last word, just like in the resurrection, God had the last word over Christ. People who were bound and, and locked into the system of violence and, and oppression. God had the last word over Christ as well. Yeah. I'm I like via our conversation today. I'm like, I've been really reimagining this woman again. So many times I've heard her preached as this like stooped poor widow, like deserving of pity. Right. And I like recasting her as like a a woman of resistance, right. A a resistance fighter. This is civil disobedience in a sense slash slash resistance via extreme obedience Mm -hmm. if you you might say right in the same way as like turning the other cheek and going the extra mile and those kinds of things and I like imagining her straight backed and brazen like walking into the space like this is this is what you require here like and 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 my god will sustain me I like bigger than this. Yeah. Right. Right. I dare him not to. (laughs) And and he won't, he'll come through. He will come through. Right. Absolutely. And Um, he, like, I love this thought where as she's doing that, the very God she's acknowledging with her giving her entire life is standing there and acknowledging and affirming her faith. And maybe the very table she set those copper coins on where it's going to be flipped by him. 
later on in that temple, destroying yeah. that destabling that unjust system. Like we, it's not in, uh, in a vacuum here that this happens. Like right. Jesus takes active efforts against this unjust system later on in the gospel. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. This is this has been so great and it's given me a lot to think about. <laughs> from Thanks. a from a familiar story, right? Like I've heard this several times before, but I feel like I'm coming to it fresh with some new interpretive edges. I think that's the thing I'm most always consistently thankful for our conversations is really bringing fresh eyes to really familiar texts. Um, yeah. I'm thankful for that as well. Uh, but that's all the time we have for today. I just want to encourage our listeners to check out the website for more really incredible commentaries for the scripture passages this week. And sign up for a newsletter to stay in the know. Connect with us on social media for further conversation. And subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and share it with your friends. It's really the best way to help us get the word out there. So special thanks to all the writers who contributed this week and to Matt Ghost for our original music, editing, and production. Join us next week for Jesus talking about wars and rumors of wars. Yikes. We promise Jesus has some good news too. We're excited. We'll see you next week.